So, thank you, Ken. Uh, we're going to take a look at Job. <clears throat> I'm going to read a bit out of chapter 29. And thank you for being here. And I'm sorry to be you, you know, find it hard to stay awake till the end of the... <laughs> but that's okay. You've got an excuse. Uh, <clears throat> so, Job 29. He's in a conversation with his three friends. <clears throat> How I long for the months gone by, for the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head, and by his light I walked through darkness. Oh, for the days when I was in my prime. <laughs> I've heard that a few times this week. <clears throat> when God's intimate friendship blessed my house, when the Almighty was still with me, and my children were around me, when my path was drenched with cream, and the rock poured out for me streams of olive oil, when I went to the gate of the city and took my seat in the public square, the young men saw me and stepped aside, and the old men rose to their feet. The chief men refrained from speaking, and covered their mouths with their hands. The voices of the nobles were hushed, and their tongues stuck to the roof of their mouths. Whoever heard me spoke well of me, and those who saw me commended me, because I rescued the poor who cried for help, and the fatherless who had none to assist him. The man who was dying blessed me. I made the widow's heart sing. I put on righteousness as my clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. I took up the case of the stranger and broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched the victims from their teeth. <coughs> I uh, wanted to read that because... <coughs> There are elements in Northern Ireland where we live where that would be the ideal for quite a lot of people. You know, They'd be known to be churchgoers and, and to do lots of good works and uh, <coughs> they would want that kind of reputation. Uh, but this is, of course, Job and... Uh, that's just one chapter kind of out of the middle of a long saga. Uh, quite a number of years ago now, I was a guest of an outfit called uh, the Bible Video Library. You can tell how long ago that was. <coughs> and they wanted to do a video on the life of Job, and they called me in to advise, and, and uh, we had quite a lot of fun doing it. And, uh, they, of course, the book opens with... Uh, description of Job being the richest man in the East. And by the East, they didn't mean New York or, you know, they went a bit further East, where there aren't many rich men, but the ones who are rich are really loaded. And he was the richest of them all. <coughs> he had a wife, seven sons, three daughters, and most of his wealth was, was counted in animals. And he had thousands of them, camels and oxen and sheep and donkeys <coughs> and uh, 
Not sure what he did with them all, but he had them all. <coughs> and so we wanted to represent this, and we had the opening scene of, of Job's office, which was a palatial room with about an acre of, of beautiful Persian carpet and a quarter of an acre of highly polished oak that he called a desk, <coughs> and a very comfortable leather chair behind it, and strings of colored beads hanging from the ceiling, and they all represented a million of something, or something or other. And then there was Job's religious life, and he was very meticulous. He offered sacrifices not only for himself on a daily basis, but also for his kids in case they had sinned and he didn't know about it or they were unaware of it. <coughs> and um, he even made a covenant with his eyes that he would not look lustfully on a woman. Um, <coughs> so there's, there's all of that. And that was fairly easy to portray. But the next bit was more difficult because we had to portray heaven and you don't often see heaven in movies. Most of it relates better to the other place. But <coughs> uh, anyway, we designed in the end a, an enormous conference table. And God is presiding at the head of the conference table, and there's a few thousand angels, that's right, they were all there. And the one person you wouldn't expect to see there unless you knew the story was Satan. But every once in a while, Satan goes to heaven. He doesn't like it there. He doesn't belong there anymore. He got kicked out a long time ago. But it's as though God reached out with a long arm, grabbed him by the scruff of the neck, dragged him up to heaven, set him down at the conference table and cross-examined him in front of the angels. Uh, and, uh, and God says, um, What have you been doing lately? And Satan says, I've been doing my lion act, prowling up and down in the earth, looking for somebody I could get. And all the angels gave a little shiver because he's a sinister kind of a character. And God said, really? Did you see my friend Job when you were down there? I like Job. He's always obeying me and making sacrifices to me. I liked him. Did you see him when you were down there? And Satan said, well, because he talks a bit like that. Well, look at him. <coughs> Stinking rich, never a day's illness in his life. Of course he pretends he likes you. Anybody would if they were going to get that out of it, wouldn't he? And you're always protecting him. I want to get at him, make him suffer, and you won't let me anywhere near him. And all the angels stroked their beards, because, of course, angels have beards. And uh, <coughs> they thought, well. Satan's getting quite smart these days, isn't he? wonder what God's going to say to this one. And God says, okay, Satan, I tell you what, you may not touch Job himself, but anything he owns, you can do what you like with that. And Satan was thrilled because this was the best piece of news he'd had for a couple of hundred years. And, and he rubbed his paws together and his eyes gleamed and he was gone like a flash of lightning from heaven down to earth. And all the angels shuffled forwards on their seats and got binoculars out and focused them on the house of Job. And now he had to return to Job's house. And Job is there and suddenly a messenger comes and he says, 
terrible news, Master. I, I was out with your other servants, and we were looking after the oxen <coughs> and the donkeys, and this band of Sabaeans came raiding out of the desert, and they killed all your servants and drove away all your animals, and I'm the only one left alive to tell the tale. And as he goes through all this, all the red beads fall off the ceiling. <laughs> they leave big gaps over the ceiling. And, and uh, Job takes it in his stride and, and continues to believe in God. And then another servant comes in terrible news master I was out with your other servants taking care of the sheep fire fell from the skies all your sheep were killed and all your servants were killed except for me and all the blue beads fall off the ceiling and big big bare spaces now <coughs> and finally another servant comes in I was out looking after your camels along with your servants <coughs> the bandits came out of the desert <coughs> and they stole all your camels, killed all your servants. And they've left me alive to come tell you. And all the rest of the beads fall off the scene. There's nothing left there. And God, Job has gone from being the richest guy in the East to the poorest guy in the East. He's got nothing. Uh, but he continues to put his faith in God. He doesn't get upset. You know, God gave it to me. God's taken it away again. He's, he's God. He's got a right to do this. <coughs> and, uh, of course, he doesn't sacrifice anymore because he's got nothing to sacrifice. And, uh, of course, this sort of asks us some questions, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, uh, uh, would I be quite as enthusiastic about praising God if I lost everything tonight. <laughs> and then after a while, God reached out, grabbed Satan by the scuff of his neck, dragged him back up to heaven, dumped him at the conference table, and said, what have you been doing? And Satan says, I've been doing my lion act, prowling up and down in the, in the world looking for somebody I could get. And God says, really? Did you see my friend Job when you were down there? I like Job. He's a good guy. And in spite of everything you've done to him, he still loves me, still trusts me, still prays to me. And all the angels nodded and said, that's right, because we were watching through our binoculars, and that's just the way it was. <coughs> and Satan said, well, because he talks like that. You see. Well, look at him. <coughs> you are still protecting him. I mean, what's a few camels anyway? You can only ride one at a time, and that's an overrated experience, let me tell you. <coughs> and uh, when you're fit and healthy, you can take a few little knocks. But, um, you know, you're still protecting him. Well, more tragedies happen. The next one is that his kids are having a party in the home of his oldest son. And they're all there. And the windstorm comes and the house collapses on top of his ten kids and they're all killed. 
And uh, Job continues to praise God and worship and trust. And that would maybe be a more severe test, wouldn't it? And when Satan is cross-examined, he comes back with this stuff about God protecting him and Satan wants to make him suffer in his body. And then he'll turn around and curse God. <coughs> so maybe we should ask a question, or one or two questions. If God and Satan are talking tonight, and they're talking about you, which one of them wanted to talk about you? Was it God saying, did you see my friend down there in Redwood City? Did you? Or was it Satan saying, oh, by the way, God, I was in Redwood City this afternoon, and I saw, is that one of yours? Well, it's time for Job's wife to appear now. <laughs> See, that's all you've got left. <laughs> Kids are all gone. Wealth is all gone. And he gets a horrible disease. Because God permits him to afflict. Job's body. You may not take his life, but you may torment his body. See, God is sovereign. All the time. God is sovereign. And everything that is happening to Job has something to do with God and something to do with Satan. But God is sovereign. He's supreme. It's not a 50-50 battle, this. <coughs> Whatever is happening to Job is permitted by God, at least. <coughs> and Job feels so horrible because this disease consists of a lot of red lumps that appear all over his body. And they're very itchy. And they ooze a kind of yellow liquid which crystallizes. And then it gets very, very itchy. And the only possession he's got left is a piece of broken pottery that he uses to scratch himself when the itch becomes intolerable. But when he does that, then it hurts too much and he has to quit. And he hates his appearance, you see, because it's everywhere. He can't stand up because these things are under his feet. And he can't stand on his head because they're on top of his head. And he can't sit down either. And all the body is like this. And he goes and sits on the dump outside town because he feels that's where he belongs. And his wife said, curse God and die. Uh, which is exactly what Satan wanted him to do, of course. But it's not the best advice, is it? <laughs> um, and he doesn't accept that advice. But now the whole town knows what's happened to Job. And here he is isolated, sitting by himself 
on the dump and three friends come uh, and these are pretty remarkable guys because they come out and when they see the change in his circumstances and see it for themselves they're so shocked they don't speak but they sit down with him and they stay a week without speaking you know I wonder how many people would do that for me <laughs> got lots of friends who would come and explain it to me <laughs> you know or tell me what I should do about it <laughs> but, but that would sit for a week we, we don't have that kind of time do we or do we we actually all have the same amount of time it's about 24 hours every day that's what we do with it <laughs> and um, <coughs> After a week, then the discussion starts, and all three of them offer advice. But what it mainly boils down to is this. Job, you must have sinned. This is a punishment from God. This couldn't be happening to you if you had not sinned. So if you would just come out and confess it, tell us about it, and repent, God will forgive you. And this really gets to Job. <laughs> really gets to Job. Not many of us like other people to tell us we're sinners. <laughs> and um, even if they're right, that's the worst thing. But uh, <coughs> in Job's case, they're not right. Because uh, they're implying that he's done things that they wouldn't do. And that his record is really, really bad. But this is exploring more deeply into Job. <coughs> and um, in the course of the discussion, things come out. Here's a bit from chapter 27. Job is speaking. It, it's a very long discussion. Chapter 27. And Job continued his discourse. As surely as God lives, who has denied me justice, the Almighty, who has made me taste bitterness of soul, as long as I have life within me, the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not speak wickedness, my tongue will utter no deceit. I will never admit you're in the right. Till I die, I will not deny my integrity. I will maintain my righteousness and never let go of it. My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. Well, these are terrible words. Dreadful words. Um, there's a well-known line from Job where he says, Oh, that I knew where I might find him, speaking of God. And I've heard preachers talk about a hunger for God experience. That's not what it is. Job is incensed because his friends are implying he's guilty. And that really cuts him, and he's going to demonstrate that he's not guilty. And what he wants to do is have a lawsuit with God. Imagine that. You, know, you come down here. 
Find you where to find you. Come down here and I will prove that I don't deserve this. And Job wants to prove that God is in the wrong and that he is in the right and that he does not deserve to be treated like this. And you quite often find when people are in a state of acute suffering, sometimes they get mad at God. Yeah. I asked you to do something, you've done nothing. The implication that God isn't interested, doesn't care, doesn't have the power to heal or, or whatever. And we get mad at him, and, and that's what Job is doing. <laughs> but he doesn't know how to reach God and have this lawsuit. When we get toward the end of Job, God actually appears. Not, of course, his full glory, but in some form, God appears. And he does not answer any of Job's accusations or any of Job's points. He doesn't give him an explanation at all. Uh, he asks a few questions, uh, sort of humorous. Yeah, Job, remind me where you were when I created the earth. I, I, it just slips my mind. <laughs> and uh, Job, I, I'm sure you can explain where the storehouses are where I keep snow, can't you? Hey, you know so much, Job, don't you? Isn't that right? And, and there's got to be some purpose I had in mind when I made the hippopotamus, and for the life of me, I can't think what it is. Uh, explain it, Job. <laughs> you know? and, and these are all a little bit humorous because Job has no answer at all. But the uh, the really significant point is in uh, comes in chapter 42 then job replied to the lord i know that you can do all things no plan of yours can be thwarted you asked who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge Surely I spoke things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. And Job has been cut right down to size before he thought he knew everything. Yeah. He thought he knew better than God. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you will answer me. And those are the words that Job had used earlier, and then God turns them back on him. Now, says Job, verse 5, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. When the friends told Job he was a sinner, all he did was get mad and talk about his righteousness. But when he sees God, he knows he's a sinner. This is a pretty common reaction. You, know, you get the same thing with Isaiah in the temple. 
Alas for me, I am a man of unclean lips, dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king. When Peter encounters Jesus on the shore, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Or Isaac Watts writing, when I survey the one on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Let me reread those verses that we begin with. How I long for the months gone by, for the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head, by his light I walked through darkness. Oh, for the days when I was in my prime, when God's intimate friendship blessed my house, when the Almighty was still with me and my children were around me, when my path was drenched with cream, the rock poured out for me streams of olive oil. When I went to the gate of the city and took my seat in the public square, the young men saw me and stepped aside, and the old men rose to their feet. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father. Didn't it make you sick? He had a form of righteousness was self-righteousness and he would have gone on that way forever had he not seen God and, and this whole thing is something that Satan was looking for but God makes use of Satan <laughs> and Satan always overreaches himself of course and God is going to use this to bring real blessing into Job's life and Job has to be broken. You know, he, he has to see beyond his self-righteousness and, and see that he is really a sinner. I mean, one of the ironies, all these guys telling him you're a sinner, Job, they were right. <laughs> but they didn't know they were right. They didn't know in what sense they were right. <clears throat> but of course, the essence of sin is self-confidence as opposed to faith. Confidence in us instead of in God, in what we've done instead of what he's done. <coughs> and even to the extent in Job, <laughs> he's going to have a lawsuit in front of the universe and prove he's better than God. I mean, how stupid and how proud and ignorant and rotten can you get? Yeah. <clears throat> and so now he is broken of this, and he says, now I see you, I loathe myself. A and this is where this encounter always takes us. Any serious encounter with God, when you see him, doesn't puff you up, it brings you down to your knees. <clears throat> and the end of the story is, of course, Job is blessed again. He has seven more sons, three more daughters, and ends up being twice as wealthy as he was when, when the story started. 
<clears throat> but everything in the whole life of Job has something to do with God and something to do with Satan, and so it is with you and me and with everybody else. These are the reasons, these two. The reason everything happens. <coughs> but it's kind of like a radio set. <coughs> um, see, if you listen very carefully, you might be able to hear a lady singing in Spanish. And the man talking in French. And some pop music. And people laughing. You probably can't hear it, but it's passing through your skull right now. Uh, it is not on the same wavelength. Because we're not tuned into that wavelength, all these radio programs go through and you don't know they're there. Television programs go through your skull in color. <laughs> you don't know they're there. But it's reality. We're just not on that wavelength. And because most people are not on a spiritual wavelength at all, they don't know what's going on. But this is the reason behind everything. And it searches out who we really are. And uh, the angels don't have binoculars because they don't need them. <laughs> but they're watching. And they're the witnesses to everything and to God's absolute righteousness, which will one day be known. And that we don't know here. And not knowing is an enormous frustration to some people. Because uh, we want to know. <laughs> we want to be able to give an explanation. We can't. And it's that ignorance that makes it necessary and possible to live by faith. It's because you don't know uh, that you can trust. And the one thing that you know, or should know for sure, is the absolute perfection of the character of God. Yeah. Uh, when you let that go, then you get all kinds of doubts and questions and suffering becomes much more acute. When you know that God is right and he is loving and he is powerful and he is in control, whatever things look like to you, then you can rest in faith and you can go through it, whatever it takes. <coughs> when you start to question that, then the world becomes impossible to live in. <coughs> and that's where you essentially fail. And so God is faithful, and he does know. <laughs> and the last page is victory and glory, and you can rest in that assurance. Amen. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.